Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa, as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text MONICA to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here on this Monday as we kick off a brand new week. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and yes, happy warriors. Check me out on social media. On Instagram, I'm at Monica Crowley underscore and Twitter and True Social at Monica Crowley. Also by email, you can reach me at Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. All right, looking down the pike uh, this week, we've got a lot of breaking news coming at us. A lot of different stories all kind of coalescing this week. So we are going to cover it all. All right, now tomorrow, Speaker McCarthy is going to meet with Biden at the White House. I guess a bunch of congressional uh, Republicans and Biden's chief economic advisor, Secretary Yellen, such as she is, uh, they're all going to descend on a meeting tomorrow to talk about the debt limit, which sooner rather than later is going to really force everybody's hands here. We are going to be all over this as we look forward to this week, uh, because this meeting, I don't know, I have very little confidence anything is going to come out of it. The way Washington works, guys, is that they're not happy unless their hair is on fire. I am the exact opposite. I don't know about you. I mean, I procrastinate certain things, like I'll put certain things off, not until the last minute, but maybe to the last day, <laughs> if, it's, if it's unpleasant and I just don't want to deal with it, um, I might do that. But this is the nation's business. This is the nation's economy. This is the nation's government spending way too much, uh, putting us very deeply in a hole. This is inflation due to out-of-control government spending that is affecting all of us all day long. Have you been to a restaurant lately? Have you been to a grocery store lately? Yeah. Uh, Basic staples out of control, and it's all because of our irresponsible leadership, namely the Democrats, all right? So they're going to have this debt limit uh, meeting tomorrow. We will cover this on Wednesday and going forward. Janet Yellen has made clear that June 1st is sort of the drop-dead date. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. The government always has a little bit more latitude. But in Washington, they're never happy unless their backs up or against the wall, and they're making decisions in a panic. You know, what, what did your mother always tell you? Never make a decision when you're emotional because the decision will in all likelihood be bad. Yeah. And we all learn that lesson the hard way, don't we? Well, government doesn't. Government uh, and both sides of the aisle, they love to make decisions in a panic at the very last minute. They're there at midnight, two o'clock in the morning, voting on the floor of the Senate. It's all such nonsense. We have known that this debt limit has been coming for months and months and months. 
And the Republicans, to their great credit, when they came in in January, began to put together a responsible package. Now, it only slows the growth of spending rather than cut actual spending, which is what really needs to be done here. But at least they put together something. Politics is the art of the possible. So they put together something that they could have an opening conversation about with the White House. And there are all kinds of really great provisions in there, like reverting the unspent COVID funds, reverting that back. Hundreds of billions of dollars still sitting in the pipeline for a COVID emergency, which, by the way, ends this Thursday, along with Title 42. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. I should mention um, that, and I went off here on the debt limit because it has me so incensed. The Republicans have put together a thoughtful proposal to bring to the White House to at least control the rate of spending over the next 10 years, and open the discussion into other areas, okay, that need to be addressed because we cannot go on like this. $32 trillion in debt, annual deficits of trillion plus. In fact, I think this year there are some estimates that the annual deficit will be closer to $2 trillion. We cannot go on like this. And to Senate Republicans, great credit, and I can't even believe I'm saying this, but because they're such a pack of losers, with a few exceptions like Ted Cruz and Mike Lee and maybe some others, Rand Paul. But in the Senate, Mike Lee came forward this weekend and said, you know what, guys, we've got 43 votes in the Senate to stop any Democratic attempt to raise the debt ceiling without spending cuts without at least addressing spending. So the Republicans in the Senate have at least gotten their acts together as well. They're not leaving McCarthy out there swinging alone. Thank goodness. I mean, it is a miracle. So we're going to cover this more extensively as we get later into the week and after we see what comes out of this meeting here on uh, Tuesday, tomorrow. So sorry to go down that path today because I do want to deal with the border. But all of this stuff is critical and a lot of it is coming this week. Speaking of, our friend House Oversight Chairman James Comer is going to be holding a big press conference midweek, I believe it's on Wednesday, to release new evidence related to the Biden crime family and their crimes. They've seen a lot of these crimes, but they haven't been able to release it yet. He is going to come forward, I think on Wednesday, to release this new evidence. We will be all over that later in the week as well. We're also going to be joined by Lisa Booth from Fox News. She is adorable and smart, and we're going to talk 2024 and a lot of this other stuff with her. And later in the week, also, the great Lou Dobbs is going to join us on the economy. No one knows the economy like Lou. So he's going to join us here, and we'll talk 2024 with him as well. So we've got a huge week of shows coming up, guys. You're not going to want to miss a second of it. Later today, in just a couple of minutes here, we're going to talk to Todd Benzman of the Center for Immigration Studies. He has been, he's also written a great book called Overrun about the historic crisis that we are now facing at the border. He's going to join us here in a couple of minutes live from the Mexican side of the border. I believe he's in Mexico, we'll find out. But he's based in Texas, and he was going to cross today to give us this live report. So he's going to join us here in a couple of minutes. First, though, the Monica Memo. We have been seeing over the last two and a half years since Biden came in an actual legit invasion on our southern border. What we will see on Tuesday when Title 42 is lifted is a next-level invasion. There are an estimated 700,000 people massed on our southern border. I think the number is higher. I mean, the only person really covering the border in any meaningful way is, uh, well, it's Bill Malusian at Fox News because Fox is the only news organization actually putting drones into the sky so you can try to get an accurate view of what is actually happening there and an accurate estimate of how many people are massed on the border. They're saying about 700,000. I think it's probably closer to a million or certainly will be closer to a million come Thursday. And they're now estimating 10,000 people coming across the border that day 
And then each day subsequent, I don't know, seems to me that's a very low number. I think if you have a million people massed there, you're going to have a run on the border like you have never seen. This is an historic catastrophe. And yet, the Biden administration continues to lie to your face. The lies are getting more brazen, whether it's from Karine Jean-Pierre at the podium, whether it's from Biden himself, Secretary Yellen, whether it's from Jerome Powell about inflation, whether it's from the Secretary of Homeland Security, Mayorkas, who was supposed to be watching the store down there and protecting the American people, protecting American sovereignty. No, 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 no. No, obviously they haven't been doing that on purpose. But here is exactly the kind of lie you hear from Secretary Mayorkas. Roll it. The border is not open. It has not been open and it will not be open subsequent to May 11th. Ah, the border is not open. It's never been open. What are you talking about? Classic gaslighting. Don't believe your own eyes. Don't believe what you're saying. Believe what we are telling you. This is classic hallmarks of tyranny, where the tyrannical government lies to your face when you know that the exact opposite is in fact true. They don't care about lying or being held accountable because they all protect each other and they know that they have the protection of the press. So nobody is covering this story really except for, again, you know, you've got Bill Malusian at Fox, you've got the Wall Street Journal, the New York Post covering this, maybe some regional and local papers in the border states. We're covering it, Steve Bannon covers it. But beyond that, not much, right? And that's why they know they can get away with these lies. Because they know they will never be held accountable. And without the press covering it, they're not generating public pressure to change course. That's why they've been able to get away with this for two and a half years. Now, Title 42 being lifted on Thursday may change the dynamic quite significantly because it will now be impossible to ignore if you've got a million people coming across in one day. In fact, here is a former Democrat, now independent of a border state, Senator Kristen Sinema. Here's what she had to say. Roll it. Title 42 goes away on Thursday, and everyone here in Arizona knows We are not prepared. The Biden administration had two years to prepare for this and did not do so. And our state is going to bear the brunt and migrants will be in crisis as soon as next week. It will be a humanitarian crisis because we are not prepared. She's like halfway there, right? She says the Biden administration had two years to prepare for the end of Title 42 and didn't do so. Okay, so she's annoyed because she's now hearing from her constituents about this absolute catastrophe. Her state is being overrun. And she's like, well, they didn't prepare. They had to, she's missing the point. The point is that all of this has been by design. If it weren't, they would have changed course and they have not, nor will they, even after this newfound invasion happens starting this week. So she's like, well, they didn't prepare. This is really bad, but they didn't, you know, they had all this time. She's missing the point. All of this has been done on purpose to flood our country, flood the zone with illegals, eventually get them on a path to citizenship so that they are voting so that you will never get another Republican president again. Never mind a Republican Congress. Forget it. They are searching for and this is the the point of all of this, a permanent Democrat voting majority. So I'm glad she's speaking out, but she's missing the entire point. Oh, but Monica Biden says he's sending 1,500 troops there. Well, first of all, 1,500 troops versus a million in one day coming across the border, not going to do the job. Secondly, they're not there to actually enforce the law. They're not there to enforce the border. Here's Biden himself admitting that. Listen. We're in a situation now where those 1,500 people at the border, they're not there to enforce the law. They're there to free up the border agents that need to be on the border. And we're having another thousand people coming in their asylum judges to make judgments to move things along. Not there to enforce the law. In fact, you know why they're going? Those troops are, and God bless them, 
but they have to do what they're told to do. They're going there to facilitate entry of the illegals. They're going there to pencil push. They're there as desk jockeys to push the paper through for these illegals to come into the country. That's what this is all about. So, I mean, this is where we are. We've got hundreds of thousands of unaccompanied minors coming in. Biden administration losing track of nearly 100,000 kids. God knows where they are. Sex trafficked, uh, drug mules. We, we have no idea where these kids are. We have deaths happening around the clock, at the border, in the river, all over the place, people dying. We have sixty to 80,000 gotaways per month. That's probably a low estimate We've got hundreds of thousands coming across the border every single month to the point now where we are upwards of about 8 million since Biden became president. And again, that's probably a low estimate, okay? So we have this absolute human catastrophe, the destruction of our sovereignty, the destruction of our country, and it's all being done on purpose, Democrats are complaining, Lori Lightfoot in Chicago, Mayor Adams in New York City. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because this is geared toward a much bigger globalist goal, which is erasing all borders to get us to a one-world government. That's what all of this is about. Never lose sight of it. Don't get drawn into other kinds of arguments. We here bring you the big picture from 30,000 feet. That's what the erasure of our border is all about. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk to Todd Benzman, who is going to join us from the border with an eyes-on report about what he is seeing. Not to be missed. Sit tight. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double and the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, Eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys, and you'll feel better with more energy, and you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier, too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Well, as we have been talking about this show uh, from the beginning of this show, um, a little over a year ago, The wide-open border um, to our south has been an historic catastrophe, and it's all being done on purpose. And as I always say, if it weren't being done on purpose, the Biden administration would, of course, correct it. They would have changed up their policy with regard to the border, and they have not. Nor will they, even after this Thursday, when Title 42 is lifted, and we've got nearly a million people massed on the border ready to come in. I wanted to get a report from somebody who has been at the border many times, who has written an entire book about this catastrophe called Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. He is also the author of America's Covert a Border War, the untold story of the nation's battle to prevent jihadist infiltration, 
By the way, guys, last year we spoke about the terrorist threat of an open border. That is the most underreported story, I think, in our country. But all of these issues are critical. And the author of these two books is joining us now. He is on his way to the southern border, but he has been there many, many times, and he can give us an eyewitness report to what has happened, what is happening, and what is going to happen later this week. Todd Benzman is the Center for Immigration Studies, Texas-based Senior National Security Fellow, and I'm delighted that he joins us now. Todd, welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, it's a great pleasure to have you here. And I know that right now, as we speak, you're on your way back to the uh, Texas-Mexico border. And I want you to, before we get into the catastrophe that is imminent this week, I would love for you to please put into context what is happening at the border, not just today and this week, but what has been happening over the past two and a half years since Joe Biden Uh, came into office, lifted all of the uh, policies that were working under President Trump to get that border and illegal immigration under control, put it all into historic context for us. Have you ever seen anything like this? No. Uh, And I've been covering the border for 20 years, and neither has really any Border Patrol agent that i talk to works the border uh, no nobody's seen anything like this but to put it in context a good way to do that is to start with the end of the trump administration which bequeathed a border to the biden administration that uh, had about thirty thousand a month crossing uh, and being caught apprehended which at the time seemed like a lot, you know, uh, you know, I remember talking about this at the time saying, you know, 30,000, it really shouldn't be that high. Uh, you know, I was kind of critical about that 30,000, but oh man, what we would do for that today. The Biden administration, like you said, immediately, I mean, on day one, shut down uh, all of the deterring policies that had gotten the border to that point, 30,000. And within two months, it was 100,000. And within three months, it was uh, pushing 200,000. And it's never gone back. It's been in the 200 to 250,000 a month range. And just a little bit more perspective, a few years ago, Jay Johnson, the former U.S. Secretary uh, Secretary of uh, Department of Homeland Security, said, God, if if I woke up in the morning and and there was more than 1,000 a day, apprehended, that would be a crisis too far. That would be just the worst catastrophe I could think of. And today, uh, and within a few months of the Biden administration taking office, it was 5,000, 6,000, 7,000, 8,000 a day, uh, and, and is about to move to somewhere in the neighborhood of anywhere from uh, 10,000 to 18,000 a day uh, after this week and the months ahead, uh, we think. And I I hope that the intelligence community estimates are wrong, but the Biden administration itself is expecting somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 10 to 13,000 a day starting this week. And that, that should just give you some context of how massive this thing has been. It's just beyond anything in the American experience that subhead of my book, Overrun, is very accurate. It is the greatest border crisis in American history by every metric. It smashed every single record that has ever been on on the books for every possible kind of metric. Uh, So, uh, you know, to say that this is a historic event is, you know, sort of uh, an understatement. yeah. I was just going to ask you, Todd, where are most of them coming from? You wrote a terrific piece, a very important piece last week in the New York Post. I recommend it to everybody, focusing on the Venezuelans that are coming into America. They're mostly, I mean, the vast majority of these people anyway, coming into the country illegally are single males. You do have some families, you have some women, you have some children, of course, but the vast majority are men. And you wrote this piece 
honing in on the Venezuelan um, uh, impact here. Can you talk to us a little bit about where most of these uh, mostly men are coming from, uh, Central America, South America, but you also have a huge number of Chinese nationals coming in um, because the, the word has gone out around the world, come on in, the border is open. That's right. Well, one of the many records that this mass event, mass migration event has broken is the diversity, the national diversity of the people that are reaching it. Uh, in, in, in the past, you might expect, you know, five or 10% of the people coming to the border, less than 5%, I would say, coming to the border uh, who are not from Mexico or those three Central American countries. Vast majority were coming from those places. Now, the number, the percentage is uh, for almost 45% coming that are not from Mexico or those, those Central American countries. They're from 170 countries around the world. I've met every possible uh, foreign national that you can imagine. You mentioned the Chinese, but I've met Africans from every country on that continent, Burkina Faso, Liberia, Sierra Leone, Ghana, uh, Mauritania, Somalia. I mean, everywhere. And Every nation of the Middle East, every terror country of uh, terror concern in the Middle East is reaching the border. I've met Chechens. I've met Tajikistanis, Uzbekistanis, interviewed them, photographed them, the whole thing. They're all over, coming over the border. Uh, Lebanese, uh, lots of Afghanis, uh, you know, 100,000 Ukrainians. Uh, everybody knows that our border is open for business. Lately, uh, one of the more populous, uh, you know, nationalities are the Venezuelans. Uh, there's a few others that are that are really voluminous, but the Venezuelans, the Haitians, uh, they're coming because uh, Venezuela collapsed its economy, collapsed. They've got a kleptocracy, a communist kleptocracy, in power there. But it's important to note that everybody who reaches our border is going to claim asylum or some kind of humanitarian grounds for, you know, let us in, we're in imminent harm, in, in, in imminent harm's way, uh, let us in. And the, the point of my story about the Venezuelans, because I've interviewed so many of them, is that most Americans think that they're coming from this terrible place called Venezuela. But the truth is that, very, very few of them are coming directly from Venezuela. They have been living for years safely, prosperously, uh, with, with um, you know, a lot of uh, security and no evidence whatsoever of political persecution in these other countries, safe third countries, Colombia, Ecuador, Argentina, Brazil. Uh, people decided to come and claim that they are in imminent harm, or that they, they need uh, protection from political persecution in Venezuela, that is a lie. That is a fraud, and it's prosecutable, and it's happening in a massive way. And I just wanted to point out in my piece that these people are bogus. The whole system is a fraud that is enabling and facilitating these hundreds of thousands. I mean, and you're going to see a whole lot more uh, where they claim they're coming from Venezuela, political persecution. It's all a lie. Uh, so I just wanted to point out the, the kind of fraud that's being perpetrated on the American people. The same goes for Haitians. Uh, the, nobody wants to live in Haiti. We all understand that Haiti is a terrible place. But most Haitians are not coming from Haiti and haven't lived in Haiti in five, six, seven, eight years. They've been They've been living prosperously, happily in Chile and Brazil mostly. They heard the border was open and, and proved it by their numbers crossing in and being allowed to stay. And so, of course, it snowballs. And they all understand exactly how our asylum system works. I've interviewed them. They tell me, oh, yeah, credible fear. They know all the details. Yeah, we know what not to say what to say that'll get us in, the, the, the magic words. And I just want people to understand that 
that this is a massive, massive, historically massive fraud uh, using our laws and uh, naivete to take advantage of uh, kind of just getting an economic upgrade for themselves. Well, certainly they all know how to game the system. They've all been trained to game the system to gain entry into the United States. But you have an administration now that is allowing them to do so. And not just that, but encouraging them to do so, Todd. And looking, not just looking the other way, but waving them on in. And we all know the nefarious agenda behind all of that. But, you know, word has gone out, not just in Mexico and Central South America, but around the world. Hey, this is a free-for-all. Come on in. The administration is not going to stop you. They're not going to deport you. They're not even going to force their your court date if you happen to get a, a court date uh, to show up. Nobody's going to be enforcing that. So come on in. Um, it is an absolute catastrophe and a travesty and to me goes far beyond dereliction of duty by this president this is a a treasonous act and i think he should be impeached for it okay todd please stand by we've got much more with todd benzman heading to the border straight ahead but first guys i know you all want to look your best right and guess what your mom does too and guess what your mom is going to be celebrated on sunday because It's Mother's Day, and I know y'all are looking for the perfect gift. Don't give her the usual flowers, take her to brunch. All that stuff is good. You should be doing that anyway. But if you really want to give her something special, you want to give her great skincare from GenuCell. This is the final week of the GenuCell Mother's Day sale, and I promise you, you don't want to miss this. Go to GenuCell.com slash Monica and save over 70% off GenuCell's most popular package during their Mother's Day sale. Every most popular package features their Ultra Retinol, which I use every night and love, and Dark Spot Corrector. Plus, get a complimentary Spa Essentials box with every package order for only one more week. You'll also get free upgrade to priority shipping. So pamper mom with the gift of great skin from GenuCell this Mother's Day. Nothing works like GenuCell because it's a family recipe for over 20 years. Made by a compounding pharmacist in small batches and always safe, cruelty-free, and natural. Remember to save over 70% off GenuCell's most popular package during their Mother's Day sale. Just go to GenuCell.com slash Monica. Every most popular package features their Ultra Retinol, which I use and love, and Dark Spot Corrector. So don't wait. Go to GenuCell.com slash Monica. Again, GenuCell.com slash Monica. Get a complimentary spa essentials box with every package order for only one more week, plus a free upgrade to priority shipping. GenuCell.com slash Monica. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L, GenuCell.com slash Monica. We're coming right back. All right, we're back with the Center for Immigration Studies, Todd Benzman, heading to the border. Let me ask you this, because you are a national security fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies. Um, And this is something that I've really honed in on over the past year plus doing this show. There are so many individuals coming across the border illegally who are on the terrorist watch list. So we have potential terrorists coming into the country. And it's only a matter of time before we're hit from within by one or more of these individuals. Can you give us a sense of how many, I mean, there's an official number, Todd, but then there is, you know, the estimated number, which is probably a lot, lot higher. Can you talk to us about what you're seeing in terms of a terrorist national security threat coming across? Yes. So, of course, you know, I've written a book about this, probably the only book about that threat uh, at the border, America's Covert Border War. And so I have a little bit of um, context for this. Remember, it used to be that if you said, you know, terrorists were crossing the border, you were considered a conspiracy theorist and labeled such. There are no terrorists coming across the border. We're always told that uh, over and over again. Trump would say it and they would just laugh him out of town and, you know, do fact checks and, you know, it's a lie. But but then the Biden administration, I think there, there might have been a law or a rule that came into effect, started to post them 
on the cbp.gov website. The number that were crossing who were on the FBI terrorism watch list, they started that in April of 2022. So it's been about one year. And that's how we have an idea for, you know, how many are crossing. When I was intelligent in working in Texas intelligence, uh, I knew that about 20 a year were apprehended uh, south of the border in Mexico and at the border by uh, DHS. So, you know, maybe half there, half here. What we've got now is 98 in a single year in 2022 Mm. that were apprehended all here. And so far, just through March of this year, fiscal year, 2023, we've got 80. 180, just about 180 who are already on the FBI's terrorism watch list. Now, the context for that is that we have about 1.5 million gotaways. Those are people that never got detected, that got into the interior. Uh, we saw their footprints or we caught a you know overhead video of them, but nobody caught them kind of thing. By the way, that's a historic number, 1.5 million, you know, 60,000 a month, uh, 70,000 a month, uh, at least. That's always an undercount. And so we don't know how many we're not apprehended. We have to presume, I will absolutely presume, that people on that terror watch list have gotten through into the interior. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that the uh, a very significant number of those reaching are coming from um, you know, Muslim-majority countries where terrorist organizations operate. That does not automatically, of course, mean that they are terrorists, but it raises the probability uh, that they harbor ideologies or, uh, you know, might, might act on them later uh, or people that are not even on the watch list are coming through. A few months ago, I was in Tijuana to investigate the very first ever Muslim-only immigrant shelter on the Mexican side in Mexico. So many people coming from these countries that a demand uh, was perceived sufficient to justify its own the, its own Muslim immigrant shelter. And I investigated this place and met uh, Chechens and Uzbeks and uh, Afghanis and uh, people that were, you know, hundreds of them uh, moving through this thing, either being uh, facilitated over the border with humanitarian uh, per- permits or just uh, rest and uh, relaxation and organize a smuggler over the border. But all of them are heading over the border. And the director of this center mentioned to me that there, that, that she had never once been approached by U.S. intelligence, which was incredible to me, having written the book on these programs. Uh, either by uh, Mexico uh, or the United States said never, they, they don't, nobody cared to. And she said, look, I've got records on everybody who's ever stayed here, photos, like all their personal information. I'd be happy to give this stuff to the Americans if they ever wanted it. They just have to ask. <laughs> and they just never did. And that and a number of other uh, cases that I've written about at length tells me that the bad guys understand that our border is open and that we are no longer doing the America's covert border war programs that I write in the book. All of those things are off the rails or not happening at anywhere near the extent that they should be or were prior to this. And for that reason, I believe that the threat is very elevated right now that somebody is going to come in and do something later on, uh, you know, go to the shopping mall. I mean, we have enough mass shootings in this country. Uh, it's, it's not a, it's not a complex kind of an attack. You can use a vehicle uh, like in Brownsville, you can use a yep. gun like in Allen, Texas, just mm-hmm. uh, yesterday and that sort of thing. So I'll just leave it there. Yeah. And, and, 
you know, the fact that we're, we're doing this to ourselves, I mean, not us, obviously, but our government led by Joe Biden doing this to ourselves, letting in all of these Trojan horses, letting in criminals, murderers, rapists. Trump was right. I mean, very early on when he was first announcing for president, June of 2015, he got attacked in that opening statement announcing his candidacy by talking about how murderers and rapists were coming in and, oh, how racist that was. That was like the first shot across the bow from the system because they realized Trump was going to expose exactly what they were doing in in terms of the border, in terms of flooding the zone, flooding our country with illegal immigrants for political democracy graphic reasons and also for a globalist reason. This is what the erasure of this border is all about. I've said it a million times. Um, Todd, let's turn to, we haven't yet spoken about human and drug trafficking and the cartels benefiting from this most of all. Can you talk to us about the human toll of what is going on down there and how the cartels are making, what, hundreds of millions of dollars per week based on this open border policy? Well, uh, yeah, I've written pretty uh, extensively about that problem. Um, the cartels, we, nobody really knows what they're making on this, but, but we do know that um, ICE officials have testified before Congress that prior to this, uh, there was probably uh, you know, hundreds of millions, $500 million a year in smuggling over the border. You know, they have control of, the, of a lot of the border and they can charge just a cross like kind of a toll booth ice intelligence is testifying that the number went from 500 million a year to 13 billion Mm. a year that's a massive increase in revenue and there's some pretty credible reporting that there that some of the cartels are actually now making more money on this mass migration crisis than on drugs and they have incorporated the uh the, the smuggling into their mainline, uh, you know, you know, business subsidiaries. So this is now, uh, you know, I mean, you could see uh, immigrants coming across the, the border in large swaths of Texas that all have these wristbands on them. Uh, those wristbands are like you have to pay to get like at a water park or something to get your wristband. You can't get on a boat on one of the rafts unless you have this wristbands. And that's Men, women, children, and infants, they all have one as they're coming across. That's still happening to this day because it's inventory control. They had so many coming through. But um, I want to point out that the these guys are smart. And when they send loads that, that earn them a ton of money over to the left, they're moving their drugs over to the right mm-hmm. because Border Patrol is having to process so there's nobody over there on the other side. So they're moving their drugs in. And there is a credible belief that they are able to move far more drugs into the United States, fentanyl being one of them, uh, than they than they could have before. So, you know, you could uh, make a good argument, and a lot of people have, that more Americans are dying of drug overdoses due to the policies that have created a mass migration, diversionary events that make it possible to move lots more drugs over the border and into the United States. Yes. And I think that's something that, uh, you know, is, is not really widely understood or somehow it's more accepted. It's okay. You know, we're paying for it. They're having to pay for these drugs. So, you know, it's on them kind of a thing, but uh, it would be better to uh, have those drugs interdicted and maybe the cost be forced really high so that fewer people could buy them or afford them. I don't know. That's that's what you call a wicked complex <laughs> problem, but there's no question that the big, big winners in all of this are the Mexican cartels uh, and the immigrants uh, who are who are benefiting from the ones that survive, I should say, because uh, they then they get into the United States. But a whole bunch of them don't survive the trip. They die all along the way. There are more dead uh, that were of people who were lured here by these policies that would have stayed home. 
They never would have come uh, had these policies not lured them to the border by the guarantee that they would get into the country and get to stay. Well, and, you know, we haven't even talked about the child exploitation, which is particularly heartbreaking. A lot of these kids being murdered, a lot of these kids uh, being sex trafficked. Uh, We got reports like from Tom Homan and others that they're really, really young kids, babies, for the most part, that are being raped. One child, seven or eight years old, had 67 DNA samples inside of her. Um, so she had been raped by 67 different men in every bodily orifice. I mean, the horrors that are happening to people when this administration claims, well, they just want to come here for a better life and we're doing it for human rights and we're all about compassion and tolerance. And it is the exact opposite. It is having the exact opposite effect. And again, all being done on purpose to empower the drug cartels and to flood our country. All right, we've got to hit this quick break, but we will be back with much more with Todd Benzman at the border. First, so guys, to fight all these wars, we got to be strong and healthy, right? And I know it's really hard to eat healthy when you're so busy, when there's so much coming at you, you're traveling, taking care of the kids, daily hustle. It can be really hard to get the daily recommended vegetables and fruits in your diet. I know that's true for me, and that's why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is whole organic fruit and vegetables, not a watered-down supplement. And it's backed by a better health promise. Each ingredient in Field of Greens was scientifically chosen to support vital organs like heart, lungs, and kidney health. Others support my immune system, blood pressure, metabolism, and healthy weight loss. Let me get you started with 15% off. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. Like me, you'll probably look and feel healthier fast and have way more energy. But your best proof will be at your next doctor's checkup when your doctor says, hey, whatever you're doing, man, keep it up because it's working. To get 15% off, visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com. We'll be right back. And we're back now with our final minutes with Todd Benzman of the Center for Immigration Studies. We're talking about the national security aspect, uh, potential terrorists coming across the border unchecked. We have no idea where they are once they melt into the country. But the other national security aspect to this is the CCP, Chinese Communist Party working hand in glove with the cartels because the precursor chemicals for fentanyl, some of these other drugs are developed in China. They are shipped across to Central America, Mexico, put together as fentanyl and then brought into this country to kill American citizens. So the cartels are benefiting, the world's greatest criminals are benefiting, and the Chinese Communist Party. So again, they are destroying us really without having to lift a finger. Well, we sure make it easy. Uh, you know, regarding the Chinese, you know, one thing I, I note about the Chinese is uh, we've had the last couple of years uh, Chinese very easily abuse our visa system, our legal visa system to get uh, PLA operatives into our best universities, uh, research institutes where they have been just ripping off off blind of our most cutting edge research. And this is the legal system. Uh, we, we've busted quite a few of them. I don't think that we've come anywhere near, but, you know, Trump, of course, had a big program to you know, root them out and to uh, reduce the number of F-1 visas going to Chinese. Uh, the very first thing that Biden did was reverse that, uh, you know, throw out a whole bunch of prosecutions uh, and and uh, expand the, the student visa system once again to the Chinese. It's just unconscionable, really. But if the Chinese Communist Party understands that it can rip us off through our legal system, uh, of course, they're going to send spies in over the border. Absolutely, of course. For the next 10 years, we are going to be discovering them one by one here and there. 
we'll finally see some prosecutions. It'll take a few years. Somebody came over the border and wormed their way into some government position, got a security clearance. It'll be one of those kind of things, okay? But um, in a broader sense, you know, thousands and thousands of Chinese are coming. A lot of them are going to be earning U.S. cash and sending it home to strengthen China to send our cash into the Chinese economy. Right. That's what happens. A lot of this is all about that. And I, I don't think we should lose sight of the fact that, you know, having all of these thousands of Chinese working and sending home money home back, not to mention Intel, uh, is not something that we would ever want to uh, do with any adversary, any enemy of our country. And they most certainly are an American enemy. Well, it's it's similar to... You know, during World War II, the American government, Franklin Roosevelt's administration, allowing thousands and thousands of Germans, Nazis, just to pour into the country to infiltrate us and destroy us from within. I mean, it is, it's beyond belief, but I think we all understand why it's happening. It's very, very evil. Um, in our remaining moments here, Todd, I'd love for you to give us a look into what you anticipate is going to happen at our southern border later this week when Title 42, which was an, a pandemic-era policy uh, to, to dissuade people from coming in and then if they, in fact, got here to deport them, once Title 42, based on you know, uh, public health concerns, once that is over, come Thursday, what do you expect to see at the border? and throughout the rest of the country. Sure. I think, uh, you know, it's a, it's a prediction. It's a reasonable prediction that I make. Uh, I always say that I hope that I'm wrong and will be very happy to be proven wrong. Uh, but, you know, remember that the administration relies, I'm going to just tell your audience this, because, because there is a complexity to the immigration system that the administration relies on to uh, pass its its lies and prevarications about what they're doing. They get away with it because people don't understand the policy stuff. So I'm going to just go through a little bit of it. I know I only have a few minutes, but what they're going to do is they're replacing Title 42, which allowed Border Patrol to push back 100% of everybody they caught uh, without providing them the opportunity to claim asylum, which is the big bogus fraud that I told you about earlier. Mm -hmm. um, the replacement policy, get used to this term, it's called Title VIII. Uh, they, they claim they're going to apply Title VIII to everybody that crosses the border. That is expedited removal, Title VIII expedited removal. The way they make it sound is, you know, we're going to just catch everybody like we did with Title 42 and send them all back to Mexico or to their home countries. No problem. But if you read their regulatory, uh, their proposed regulation, which is their policy, uh, you find that it is punched through with loopholes. All through this thing are these escape hatches and loopholes. The first one being that they are not going to re detain or deport family units. So you're going to see huge numbers of people enter with kids again. They've got, you got a kid and you can prove that kid's yours, you are in. Uh, and there's a loophole called the Flores settlement, the Flores loophole that says, you know, we can't hold you a family group for longer than 20 days. Uh, and of course, you know, we don't, we're not going to hold them anyway. So we're just going to let, and they've announced we're not holding family units. So they're just going to get right in. You're going to have floods and floods of family groups coming in. The new policy does not apply at all to unaccompanied minors. 350,000 have been let in, even under Title 42. They were exempted from Title 42. If you're under 18 and you're alone, uh, you get in. That will continue despite all the uh, slave labor uh, revelations involving this kind of immigrant in even the New York Times. That's not stopping. And then for everyone else, 
uh, all you have to do is claim asylum and you're out of expedited removal. You're out. Now, they say they're going to very quickly decline them. They'll have all these asylum officers to decline them. But they've given them the right to rebut. The rebuttal can go straight to an immigration judge. Uh, and they say that the immigration judge will you know, settle the matter in less than three days. B.S. That is not happening in three days, not ever. So the detention facilities are already full today. There are no detention beds left even now. So they're not going to be able to hold anyone. And because of that, they're just going to appeal themselves right into the interior of the country by the hundreds of thousands and then the millions. That's my prediction. Uh, I'll be really happy to, um, to uh, have all kinds of egg on my face uh, for that prediction. But I think that that's what's going to happen. Well, we've got nearly a million people massed on the border already, ready to surge in come Thursday. They're not going to be stopped. I mean, this administration is just not going to lift a finger to stop them. And I really feel for our fellow patriots who are in the Border Patrol and ICE. I mean, they are doing the best that they can, given this historic human tsunami coming at them. They really are heroes. They put their lives on the line every day to enforce the law, but they're getting no backup whatsoever from Washington, D.C., um, and in some cases, even their own state governments, to the extent that the states can move on this as well. What are you hearing here? Um, just a last question, because I want to end with our Border Patrol and ICE agents, who, again, are, are giving everything uh, to try to do their jobs in unbelievable circumstances. What are you hearing from them? I mean, their morale must be incredibly low. And what are they anticipating come the end of the week? Well, they're going to be back on babysitting duty. They're already being deployed. I've got sources all up and down the border telling me that they're being TDY, uh, temporary deployment, to the processing centers. Uh, That means that they will be off the front line, meaning the drugs will pour through the runners and gotaways. They're already, I've got a piece that's going to run probably this week uh, from a trip I just came back from. Uh, out in the hinterlands of New Mexico, uh, where it's just runners just pouring through, uh, backpacking through. Uh, You're going to see those numbers go up. You're going to see drug trafficking go up. And Border Patrol agents, uh, you know, they're like, uh, you know, they're, they're like, imagine, you know, Navy SEALs training and training and training for warfare. And then the war comes and they're sent to guard the cafeteria in the back. You know, in the rear, the rear echelons. That's how border patrol agents feel about this. Like they're trained to stop, block, arrest, chase, interdict, and they're going to be stuck in these facilities for probably the foreseeable future. Uh, processing women and children, fetching diapers. Uh, you know, and they're not happy about it. You can just imagine. Well, it is really an absolute travesty the way they have been uh, treated by their own administration, by their own president. Uh, They should have their backs. They should be protected. They should be supported, given all the resources that they need. And instead, they've been hung out to dry. And it's an absolute disgrace. Todd, I can't thank you enough for joining us today and giving us this report. I know you're on your way to the border now. You're in Texas. um, And I hope that you will come back in the coming days to give us a real eyewitness view to what you are seeing once Title 42 is lifted. This has been an invasion, but what we are going to see come later this week and in the weeks ahead will make this look like child's play. This will be next level invasion, and the media is going to be forced to cover it. They're going to try to hide it as much as they can, but the sheer numbers of people coming in now is just, this is going to be a catastrophe on top of an already existing disaster. Can't thank you enough for joining us, Todd. You are absolutely fearless in covering this story. Thank you very much for having me. I'll be happy to come on and update you guys. Just let me know. Absolutely. We will do that very soon. Todd Benzman, he is the Center for Immigration Studies, Texas-based Senior National Security Fellow. He is also the author of two very important books. Go get them. One is called Overrun, 
how Joe Biden unleashed the greatest border crisis in U.S. history, and the other is America's covert border war, the untold story of the nation's battle to prevent jihadist infiltration. Todd Benzman, he is superb. All right, we've got a huge week coming up. James Comer is going to drop some blockbuster evidence on the Biden crime family. That's coming up, I believe, on Wednesday. We're also going to talk to Lisa Booth and have some fun with her. Plus, later in the week, Lou Dobbs is going to join us on the economy on 2024 on Biden family corruption. We've got a close eye on the border and what's going to happen here starting on Thursday. We just, we have so much coming at us and it's all catastrophic. So this is why you need to listen to this show every single day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Tell all of your friends, family members, colleagues, if they love their country, if they care about the future, if they care about their children, their grandchildren, they need to be listening to this show. Thank you guys so much for being here as always and checking out our great sponsors. Have a terrific start to your week and I will see you right back here on Wednesday. Wednesday.